0: Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of Boosting Your Financial IQ. Today we're going to talk about how the Federal Reserve manages money and what that means to you. So let's start off by describing what the Federal Reserve is and how it manages the money supply. The Federal Reserve is the central banking system of the United States. And during periods of stability, the Federal Reserve oversees and operates the nation's payment systems. It supervises and regulates banks, and it monitors market risks to protect the country from financial crises. When the Federal Reserve detects risks or the country is in a financial crisis like right now, the central bank steps in to alleviate panic, and it provides this singular control center for monetary policy. In last week's episode, I talked about the deficit of the United States and we are on track in 2021 to have a federal deficit of $3 trillion or more, which is crazy. It's a crazy amount of money. It's a ton of money. And how does that money work? How does it get in, into the system and what is it intended to do? That's what we're going to cover today in this episode. So the Federal Reserve, okay, they have ways to manage the money supply and to impact the economy. In fact, the Federal Reserve last week on Thursday made an announcement that it is going to hold rates at zero, zero percent, because there are considerable risks in the economy and they want the economy to continue to recover. So therefore, the Federal Reserve is going to hold interest rates at near zero with no rate hikes. Intended through 2023. So what does that mean? What are the implications of this? And how is this going to impact the economy? Let's go through each of these. So the Federal Reserve, they have three main tactics that they can follow in. So the Federal Reserve has three main tactics that they can follow in order to manage our country's money supply and ultimately impact the economy. So let's go through each of these in a little bit more detail. First, they can change the reserve ratio. So this is not very common, but the Federal Reserve, they ultimately determine how much of reserves a bank must hold onto compared to the loans that they're making. So therefore, they may say to a bank, hey, for every dollar you lend out, you need to have X amount of dollars in cash reserves. And by changing the reserve ratio, Banks are either going to lend more, right? If the ratio is lower, they can lend more because they can leverage their equity base a little bit better. However, if the reserve ratio increases and the Federal Reserve says, look, you have to have more cash on hand, then banks are going to be able to lend less. And when I was talking about debt cycles in my last episode, you know, I mentioned that the economy is driven on these transactions between individuals and institutions And transactions are made up of money, cash, plus credit, and in exchange for goods, services, and financial assets. So if a bank is lending out more money, then consumers and institutions and businesses and governments, they have more purchasing power. And this purchasing power ultimately stimulates the economy because 70% of our economy is driven by consumer spending. So that's one way the Federal Reserve can attempt to manage the money supply and ultimately impact the economy. But like I said, this technique is more uncommon. So let's move on to two other things that they could do that are more common. So the second thing they could do is they can change the discount rate. And this is the rate that the Federal Reserve charges commercial banks to borrow additional reserves. So as I described previously, the Federal Reserve, they determine a set amount of reserves that a bank must have at the end of the day. Now, banks that lack adequate reserves, they often borrow money from the Federal Reserve via this discount window for a set rate, and it's known as a discount rate. So with the announcement of last week from the Federal Reserve, they're planning to keep the discount rate between zero and 0.25%. So this is the federal funds rate that they're charging the bank. So what this means is that by lowering the discount rate, it expands the money supply. And the money supply, remember, is made up of real money and credit. And if banks are being charged less, then they're going to have a greater desire. They're going to be motivated to go out there and to make more loans, okay, because money is cheaper. And if they're sitting on money and they're trying to earn interest or return on money that's not being deployed out in the economy the rate is going to be so low that they're not going to be able to earn much profit and stay in business. So therefore they're almost cattle prodded into getting out there and lending money to individuals and businesses and governments and other institutions. So that's how changing the discount rate can manipulate the economy. Now, I have a little chart pulled up where I'm looking at the effective federal funds rate since 1954, just to give a little bit of context. So back in 1954, the federal funds rate was 0.8%. That was in July of 1954. It's between zero and 0.25 or 25 basis points, So it's super low. Now, if you fast forward and you get to the end of the 50s, Okay, 1957, the federal funds rate went up to 3.28%. And then it dropped, okay, it dropped in 1958, okay, in 59, and it dropped to around 1%. And then it spiked back up in the 60s to about 3.4%. And then here's what's interesting. In the 70s, okay, 1970, the federal funds rate jumped to 11%. and 12% in 1974. And this is because with the federal funds rate, they can also use this rate and they can increase this rate in order to try to curb inflation. And in the 1970s, the country was experiencing hyperinflation. In order to get control of inflation, the Federal Reserve, they can increase this discount rate, making credit more expensive, which will slow down borrowing, which slows down asset prices, and bubbles from forming, and ultimately puts the brakes on the economy, but also puts the brakes on inflation. Well, what's crazy is that in 1981, in June of 1981, the federal funds rate was 19.1%. So just to give you a little bit of context of where we are today with interest rates, we are at historic lows. Now, rates dropped to zero in November. So rates dropped to zero at the end of 2008. And they've been hovering around zero all the way through that time, through 2016. And then you started to see a climb, and it hit a a peak in 2019 around 2.4%. And now we're back down to zero. So if you look at this graph, it's pretty interesting because the rates have been historically higher. And now we're in the zero rates era, which has some issues in itself. And if the federal funds rate is high and we hit a recession then the Federal Reserve can lower this discount rate in order to stimulate the economy. But what happens when the federal funds rate is zero? You could almost run out of ammo to stimulate the economy. And that's the dangerous area that we play in right now is that when we are in a recession and rates are at zero, there's very little you could do to stimulate the economy through lower rates because they're already at zero. So we're definitely in this interesting situation in precarious time with low interest rates, a high deficit and quantitative easing on the rise, which gets me into point number three, the federal reserve, they can engage in open market operations. This is known as quantitative easing. And this occurs when the federal reserve buys government securities. And when they go in and buy government securities, it provides liquidity in the market. And once again, this stimulates the economy. So what exactly is quantitative easing? Quantitative easing is a form of unconventional monetary policy. It's aimed at stimulating the economy and it involves the Federal Reserve purchasing long-term government securities. It's a financial lever that could be used by the central bank to increase the money supply. It provides more liquidity to banks lowering the interest rate, and then it encourages more borrowing and lending. If you didn't listen to last week's episode about debt cycles, this is where these two episodes can be coupled together so you could get a better understanding of how this quantitative easing plus the debt cycle can lead to implications that I'm not gonna get into in very much detail in this episode here. So now let's talk about whether or not quantitative easing really works. So quantitative easing, it will work if the population responds and takes advantage of the reduced interest rates, and if they do this, then they will increase their spending. And that's the whole idea of quantitative easing. You want to prod people into increasing their spending because consumer and business spending drives the economy. However, in the case that the population does not respond and deflation continues, other measures must be taken. Here's the crazy part. Even in instances where quantitative easing does not lower the interest rate, or increase demand, it can actually show that the Federal Reserve is taking action. And thus it has a psychological impact on consumers, which will ultimately increase their confidence in the economy. Now, what are the drawbacks of quantitative easing? There are a few to mention here. First, increasing the money supply and encouraging lending can lead to inflation. And this is a phenomenon that the central bank wants to avoid. Second, while in the short term, interest rates will drop, With inflation comes price fluctuations, which can result in increased interest rates in the long term. Number three, when quantitative easing lowers interest rates, it creates anxiety among banks to hire new employees to meet demands and to find borrowers, which in turn can lead to banks overhiring and lending to people who shouldn't be eligible for loans. So, in the long run, when the stimulation stops, Banks and businesses may start contracting because now they need to pay back all this debt, all this lending that was occurring has to be paid back with principal and interest. And if incomes don't rise or productivity rises, which increases incomes, if this doesn't occur, people can't service their debt and therefore the bubble deflates and deleveraging occurs. All right. So let me wrap it up and summarize the implications of of the actions that the Federal Reserve takes when it stimulates the economy. Because you may be sitting here reading about these things in the newspaper, you may see it in the media, and understanding exactly what it means, okay, both for you in the short term and the long term, is really, really important. So quantitative easing or any action taken by the Federal Reserve to stimulate the economy could be a good thing. We need it because if we didn't have these actions by the Federal Reserve, we can experience some significant and painful downturns when the economy turns sour. Think back to 2008. It's argued that if the Federal Reserve didn't step in and provide these emergency loans, our economy could have collapsed or it could have been a lot worse than it really was. Uh, Same thing with COVID. You know, with the CARES Act and releasing $2 trillion into the economy through PPP loans, if this didn't occur also, a lot more businesses would be bankrupt and a lot more people would be in a precarious place from a financial perspective. So these moves can be good, but they also carry with them implications. The first implication is that putting money into the market, okay, so increasing the money supply or credit increases asset prices because there's more money floating around, people are making more investments, they're spending more, and therefore asset prices go up, like homes, cars, so on and so forth, and this creates inflation. Inflation could be good if you're sitting on a bunch of debt. So if you have a mortgage and inflation increases, and hopefully if wages increase with it, then your debt becomes easier to service because now you're paying off a $500,000 loan, but $500,000 in today's dollars may be a lot less. So in cases of inflation, it erodes debt. However, if you have savings and inflation occurs, it erodes your purchasing power of that money, which can be really, really harmful. So think about a lot of people that are retiring. And if these people have a nest egg that they're sitting on and inflation occurs, it may wipe out their savings and they may not be able to afford the necessities of life. So that's where inflation could be very dangerous. Number two, it has an impact on on those relying on fixed income. So once again, let's just say you're sitting on a retirement fund and you're using the interest from this fund to pay for your cost of living. Well, if rates drop significantly and they go from say 5% down to 1%, that significantly impacts your cash flow if you're relying on that fixed income, which is a lot of Americans out there and a lot of people across the world. So if you're relying on fixed incomes, interest rates drop, it is very painful. So we have to be very mindful of that. And then another implication is this phenomenon called the liquidity trap, where when interest rates are zero or near zero, people may actually hold onto their cash instead of spending it because the opportunity cost, the foregone earnings from interest, is essentially zero. So passing on risky ventures and not investing in them may be more attracted to people, and therefore they hold on to their cash, which has an opposite effect because the Federal Reserve is trying to prod people to spend cash and to take on credit to get the economy to move forward. So those are some of the implications of the moves that the Federal Reserve makes. Higher asset prices, inflation, impact on fixed income, and this liquidity trap and once again if you didn't listen to last week's episode i encourage you to check that out That was a really good one about the debt cycle because eventually all the stimulus all this money that is flowing out there eventually it has to be paid back and when we have to pay it back that means we're going to pay higher taxes okay and higher taxes is going to reduce our purchasing power the amount of money that we have to go spend out in the economy and since our economy is driven by consumer spending These decreases in spending will ultimately have an impact on the economy and it will slow the economy, which creates this cycle here that we don't want to get into. So although it may be great to get PPP loans for businesses and to keep businesses alive or to send out bonus money to people who are unemployment, these things could be very helpful to individuals, but we just have to remember that there's a price associated with it and ultimately that price is going to have to be burdened by the people of this country. So I hope this all made sense to you. And just remember, there's no free lunch out there. But now I hope you have a better understanding of the tools and tactics that the Federal Reserve uses to monitor the money supply and to stimulate the economy when we are dealing with the global crisis like we're dealing with right now. Thanks for joining me on this episode. I wish you all the best as you go out there and continue to boost your financial IQ, and increase your financial literacy so you can accelerate your business and your career. Until next episode, take care. Hey, real quick, if you get value out of this podcast, it would mean the world to me if you would leave us a review. Also, if you want to be featured on the show, send me a recording with your name, your age, where you're from, and your question through a voice note or a video using your smartphone. Then email me the file at hello at byfiq.com.